and every day that I would go to school, I would pass their home. And it, it was a wonderful time in that, that portion of my life because I got through school each day knowing, knowing that I was going to stop by their house on the way home. But it wasn't always because I loved my grandparents. Part of it was that my grandfather, being from the old school, always had his lunch, his main meal at lunch. <laughs> there was always a little dish waiting for me <laughs> after school was over. That's why I look the way I do. I find my grandmother. <laughs> but it was a great joy for me just to spend that time with them. And, and um, I often, I often now find myself in, in situations or circumstances, and I think back to the comfort of that time, you know? Um, and I remember once, and uh, for those who may have heard this story, I apologize for the repetition. Um, we were sitting at the, the table, and, and the doorbell rang. And we kind of just looked at each other because we had never, I, it was the first time I ever heard the doorbell. I, everybody we knew came through the back door because that led right into the kitchen. No need to, to waste steps, no. Um, so grandma told me, go, go see who's at the door. I opened the door and there standing on the porch were two ladies from the church up the street in A.M.E. Zion Church. And I was always fascinated on Sundays watching them come to church because they were dressed to the nines, <laughs> big hats, you know, men in their suits and ties. I mean, it, it was just so impressive watching them come to, to church. So there are these two ladies, and I'm presuming now that they're from there, because even though it was during the week, they were in their Sunday best. Big hats, you know, <laughs> floral print dresses. I, if I close my eyes, I, I honestly, I can still see them. And they had their Bibles in their hand. And one of them said to me, child, do you love Jesus? I was taken aback. I did not expect that question. You talk about surprises, you know? I said, yes, ma'am. I love Jesus. And then she took her hand and she, she took my face. She held my face. And she said to the other woman, sister, look at his face. I knew he loved Jesus. Mm. That was more surprising than the first question. <laughs> and then the other woman says, Oh, sister, I see it. I see that he loves Jesus. And with that, they turned around, walked off the porch, and went away. Now, I don't know who they are. I don't know their names. I didn't see them before. 
I didn't see them after. But if I get to heaven, I'm hoping that I get to heaven so that I can give them both a big hug. Because they set me at that young age, at that very young age, they set me on a path which I can honestly say to you is, is part of the reason why I'm standing in front of you today. I went to my CCD classes faithfully. I went to church every Sunday. I studied my catechism. But no one, no one ever asked me if I loved him. No one. And hearing the question, but more importantly, hearing myself answer the question, that made all the difference, all the difference. And then I have to say, every time I passed a mirror, I kept staring at my face. (laughs) What did they see? What did they see? It was the same face every time I looked. Nothing, Nothing changed. What did they see? It wasn't until years later that I realized that when you are in love, when you are in love with him, he shows. So our task as catechists, with all of the things that we are responsible for doing, we've got to introduce them to Jesus so that they fall in love. So that they fall in love with Jesus. And then, in order for them to do that, they have to see on our faces that we are in love. Mm-hmm. Because our words will be empty if they do not see it lived out and reflected in our own faces. No? So I know, I know the problems, I know the challenges, I know all, all of that, all of that. But why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? It has to be because you have fallen in love. And love begets love, no? Mm-hmm. Love begets love. So just keeping that little story in mind, let us go through those sections in the directory. And and the section that Marie gave me, they're rich. There's so much here. There's so much here that I was grateful. And, and I'm not going to go through all of it, just, just a few points that, that stood out for me. Okay? So the goals, the goals of catechesis is the living encounter with Jesus Christ. Again, that, that falling in love, that process of falling in love. Um, and the definitive aim of catechesis is to put people not only in touch, but in communion, in intimacy with Jesus Christ. There, there it is again. 
that, that notion, that truth of love, to fall in love with him. That's number 75. In 77, educating in a mentality of faith to feel, think, and act like Christ. Not my feelings, right? Not my feelings. I am not the center of the universe. And how many of our children who are in front of us have that as their starting point? Life and everything about it revolves around me. No. One of the things that you and I have to do, and it's a great challenge, is, is get them to the point where they recognize who truly is the center of the universe. Because then, if Christ is in his proper place, then everything else falls into place, no? So, the way I feel, the way I think, the way I act, certainly becomes second because the mission and journey of the disciple is for us to feel, think, and act like Jesus. And we do that. We, we do that for ourselves when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, how would Jesus respond? What would Jesus do at this moment? And to try to imitate that in our dealings, in our relationships, in our situations, to remind ourselves by asking that question often, often. In 79, to, to follow the teaching method of Jesus, his pedagogy, which molded the early church, and it references Acts, right? The second chapter of mm -hmm. Acts. And when we read from the Acts of the Apostles, especially during the Easter season, we, we see a church that was, was struggling, that was persecuted, but was growing in leaps and bounds. It was growing. How often in, in Acts of the Apostles do we read where the Apostles, 5,000 came, thousands came. The crush of the crowd, what was it? What was it? They were on fire with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, on fire. And they allowed those gifts to, to work in and through them. How many gifts have you and I received that remain unopened? How many times, you know, I, I'm constantly reminded now in, in the confirmations that I'm privileged to do, we were all confirmed. We all received those gifts. How often do we call upon those gifts for ourselves? How often do I remind myself, oh yeah, these gifts that I'm giving, I received. I need to call upon that gift of wisdom. I need to call upon that gift of fortitude. I need those gifts. Why? Because they help me 
to feel and think and act like Jesus. You already have what is necessary. It's already yours. Open it up. Open it up. Because the gift is not only for ourselves. The gift is for those whom he puts in our life. To form believers for an integral Christian life, catechesis takes on these tasks. And they're enumerated in this portion that you've been asked to review and discuss. So the knowledge of the faith, the celebration of the mystery, the sacraments, the sacramental life of the church, forming for the life... Yes, 79. (laughs) Forming the life of Christ, the Beatitudes, morality, conscience, prayer, and especially the Lord's Prayer is, is highlighted here, and community life, being part of the church, the parish. That's their first introduction for many. It's, it's the life of the parish. Those, those are the things that you deal with day in and day out. That's the format of your work, your mission, in living out your call to be the example and the teacher in the ways of faith. One of the things, and, and it, it's funny because some of us are of an age that if I say to you, why did God make me? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> well, you know, we know it. <laughs> and this life There you go. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That all I had to do was ask that question. And it came back to you. It came back to you. You know, we talk about the pedagogy of Jesus, the, the method, the teaching method of Jesus. We went through a period of time, and and I'm going to step out on a limb, you know, and there are many, many opinions, and, and everybody has their opinion, but we, we used to memorize. Mm-hmm. And then there was a time where they said, no, memorization isn't good. That's not good. That doesn't help to learn. There are other forms of educating. But now, you ask any of your kids to give you the lyrics of the latest hit song. (laughs) Boom. They got it, right? (coughs) Hello? Yeah. <laughs> to know to know him is to love him. Mm-hmm. You cannot love someone you don't know. Right? Mm-hmm. You cannot fall in love with someone you don't know. Mm-hmm. That's why that that whole courtship period is so very important for laying the foundation of a solid and good and holy marriage, no? You've, you've got to know as best you can who this person is. And with all our faults and foibles, we, we still manage to 
fall in love. You've got to know him. And, and I would think that with all the truths that that Baltimore Catechism taught us, I, I, would, really, I would really say that that question number six <laughs> is, is absolutely key. It's, it's all right there. Why? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Why did he make me? And the answer is so simple. And yet, in its simplicity, it is tremendously profound. To know, love, and serve him. To know him is to love him. To love him is to serve him. One goes right to the other. No, you cannot have, and, and you need that order. To know him is to love him. Then if you love him, how? what do you do with that love? How do you express that love? Exactly. Through service. Amen. Through service. And did he not say himself, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do for me. Mm-hmm. How do we show our love for him in loving each other? To know, love, and serve him in this life. Why? And and sometimes we forget the rest, but it's equally important, no? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so we that we can be happy with him forever mm-hmm. in the life to come. When you and I lose that sense of where we're headed, of course the path shoots off in so many directions that are dead ends. Mm-hmm. No? We see it all the time. How many times do you have to pick up the pieces? How many times do you have to find sanctuary for these babies that are entrusted to you? Because where they are is is a horrible mess. Why? Because we've forgotten the goal. And if we don't have heaven in the forefront of our minds and our actions and our thoughts, course, we're going to be scattered all over the place to know, love, and serve him so that I can be with him in heaven. And that forms my life. It guides my life. And if that is in place, then whether you know it or not, if you're conscious of it or not, they're going to see it on your face. They're going to see it on your face. Why are the babies so pure and beautiful? Because they haven't been tainted yet. That's why, to be quite honest with you, give me the first and second graders. <laughs> I will be so happy. <laughs> but when you give me those middle school Seven. and <laughs> high school <laughs> put them in a monastery <laughs> 30 years old and then let them out. So what did God do? He makes me a bishop so that who do I have to deal with all the time? Our middle school and high school. And now, even, and I'm going to throw this out for you. You want a surprise? I'll give you a surprise. <laughs> we confirm then 
at the time in their life when everything is upside down. We confirm them when they're questioning everything. We confirm them and ask them to make a commitment to their faith when they can't even decide what to have for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we have the audacity to say, well, now you are an adult in the church. Now, I'm just throwing that out because it's a problem. It's a problem. How many in your programs come up to you and say, I don't want to be a child? How many parents come to you upset because their kids don't want to be confirmed? Might I suggest that we, if we believe in the power of the sacraments, if we believe in the power of the grace that comes to us through the sacraments, that we start a conversation at least to perhaps give them that grace when they need it the most, before that turmoil of adolescence and puberty begins. Mm -hmm. Then, when I present that argument, then I get, well, we're going to lose them because they're not going to come back. Uh, uh, uh. Right? Yeah. No Holy Spirit. It's all up to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to lose it. But how how much of your time, unless you have an extraordinary catechist, unless you have an extraordinary program, which I, I know they exist, they're, they're out there, I know that, but a good portion of that time in the middle school and high school age in preparation for confirmation especially, most of that class time is spent in discipline. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't really mean to go off on that tangent, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit must be prodding. You know? But I, I, because of your position, I just want you to think about it. Now don't go back to your pastors and say, oh, the bishop said <laughs> don't, don't do that, please. I have enough phone calls that I have to... You know. But it, it helps us to think. It helps us to think about what is it that we're doing when are we doing it? How are we doing it? Does it lead to a deeper love for Jesus? Does it help us to know love and serve him? Um, what's going to work? What's going to work? You know, recently we had these discussions and the Cardinal, the Cardinal was very strong in, in realizing that um, for, for some of our programs, it's not working. For some, it's not working because our churches are not full on Sunday. And this big building that's right next to us, mm -hmm. if our programs were working, that building would be full. Mm -hmm. And it's almost empty. Mm -hmm. Last year we didn't have an ordination. Last year there were 
no ordinations for the Archdiocese of New York. That's scandalous. That's scandalous. Mm -hmm. So something's not happening that should be. And you happen to be here today. And I'm not saying it's your fault. And we're not laying the blame at your feet. No, certainly not. But you could be part of the solution mm -hmm. that turns that around. It has to turn around, no? It has to. I believe that the Lord is calling because he promised that he would remain with us. I believe he's calling, but there's so much noise out there and in here that they can't recognize his voice. One of the most powerful experiences that I'm being told, and they were very hesitant in the beginning to do this, but when they brought their children in and introduced them to adoration before the Blessed Sacrament, it was life-changing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all of that nonsense stopped. And if you let them know who it is who's in front of them, they had such a tremendous effect and common effect. And that silent, for some of them, that was the first time that they were quiet, <laughs> that there wasn't something in their ears constantly, something in their hand that they're constantly doing. It's the first time they were quiet. And it's only in the silence that we are able to hear him. It's only through prayer that we recognize his voice. And it's only through the sacramental life of the church that we have the courage and the wherewithal to respond. And that's not just for priesthood or religious life. It's for marriage. It's for every, every vocation that leads us closer to Christ. Try that. In small groups, try that. It is very effective. If you go outside in the summer and you stay a significant period of time, you're going to see the effect of the sun mm -hmm. on your body, no? Mm -hmm. you, if you're sitting in front of him, if you sit in front of him for any amount of time, if the sun has that effect, what effect is the creator of the sun mm -hmm. going to have an effect? Do we believe that? And if we do, there might be the path 
There was one part in actually it was the last next to the last 88 the introduction to community life you know I, I was so I was so blessed growing up in my parish um, that whenever I would go to Mass and after Mass on, on Sundays when I'm leaving it drove me crazy when I was a teenager it absolutely drove me crazy because I was I was a teenager I was at that <laughs> horrible time in my life but these these little old ladies <laughs> would, would say to me, they, they grabbed me by the arm and said, I'm praying for you. I think you should be a priest. Oh, God, would you let these little old ladies leave me alone? <laughs> but my, the parishioners of my parish kept doing that week after week, and it wasn't the same old lady. <laughs> I think they signed up. I think there was a list at the Altar Rosary Society meeting on who was going to get them this week. <laughs> but it was constant. It was constant. So much so, I asked, Lord, why are these people saying this to me? Why, why do they keep saying this to me? Finally, it, it broke through my stubbornness. My stubbornness, no? So in, in 88, when we, and, and it kind of looks like it, it's so out of place, no? Idem vele, atque idem nole. We're, all right, thanks. <laughs> to want the same thing and to reject the same thing. It's our human condition, no? It's our human condition. It's the effect of original sin. And you and I, we we know it in ourselves, we experience it in in the responsibilities that we have, in in our catechetical programs. But I would I would link it link it to what St. Paul wrote about himself when he wrote that letter to the Romans. In seven, chapter 7, verse 15. What I do, I do not understand. For I do not do what I want, but I do what I hate. Mm -hmm. If Paul was anything, he was honest. Yeah. Right? He was anything he was honest. To understand Romans. this, yes, to understand this odd little addition here in number 88, you have to see it in light of what Paul wrote to Romans. We know what's good, but we fall flat on our face. Mm -hmm. 
We know what we want to do, and why is it that I always seem to be doing the same old nonsense time and time again? Think about your confessions. Are, are you confessing the same thing time and time again? It's the human condition. So, in your responsibilities, in passing on the truths of the faith, you're, you're dealing with the human condition. And to be honest, to be honest, you know, this is what we're dealing with. But God is greater than our human failings. Look what he did in Paul's life. Look what he did. And, and know that even at the end of a given class, you think, oh, it went in one ear and out the other. And, and this week was particularly challenging. These kids are driving me crazy. We were at a meeting of catechists in the parish. It was, it was right before the program began. And it was that meeting you all have with, with everybody and you know, this is the new year, this is what we're gonna do and, and all of this stuff. These are the teachers and these are the grades you're gonna teach and, and, and all of this stuff. And then it started. What do we do when this happens? What do we do with it? And, and you know, the grousing started, and, and, and I saw the snowball, right? It started to roll, and it, it started to get very negative, you know, because of past experience. Mm -hmm. And then, this young man who was new to the program, he raised his hand. I said, oh Lord, what is he gonna say? And he said, I want you to know that I was one of those kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be there. I sometimes acted out. And I, I appeared as if I wasn't listening. But I want you to know, I was listening to everything. Mm -hmm. And I was watching everything. And now I'm here today to offer my time to teach because of what you gave me. Well, the snowplow came in. <laughs> and removed all that stuff. But it, it was such a sign of hope. That, honestly, that, that really did happen. That really, really did happen. Know that somebody is listening. Somebody is watching. And because our God is so good, those seeds are being planted and nourished, even if you're not aware. So trust that and put
put your hope in that. Because he promised that he would remain with us. And because he said it, I believe it. And because I believe it, I teach it. And because I teach it, I try to live it. And please, God, that will help me get to heaven. Thank you. Mm -hmm.